invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start there. And, you know, the church has primarily become a non-profit organization. And one of the goals this morning is to kind of bring us back to that place where um, we reestablish some sense that the church is supposed to be established on the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being our chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2. So let's just begin with chapter 4, verse 7 of the book of Ephesians. Are you there? To each one of us, grace, everybody say grace, grace. was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And everybody say Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except for he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who ascended is himself, he, I'm sorry, he who descended is himself, he who ascended far above the heavens, and he might fill all things. I wanted to stop for a minute and explain that one piece. Um, remember, when Paul writes this, there is no New Testament. They're writing the New Testament, and all they have is the Old Testament, and Paul wants to make this point that to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so what he's trying to say is that Christ gave gifts to men. There is no New Testament, so he pulls an Old Testament verse out of Psalm 68, which says he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. The problem with the verse is it doesn't say Christ ascended on high. It says he ascended on high. And so he, wants to go, he goes on to explain the fact that in Psalm 68, the person who ascended on high and gave gifts to men, he ascended on high. He's trying to prove to you that he is Christ. Because his point is, in verse 7, is that Christ gave gifts to men. And so he goes on to say, He who, des- he who des- descended is himself who ascended far above all things, that he might fulfill all things. And he goes on to explain that Psalm 68 which says he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men, that he, in the verse, is Jesus. Are Are you following me? Thus, we have three verses that's explaining that he is Christ. So what I want to do is I want to read this verse... I want to read this, this part of the chapter without his explanation because it flows easier because we already know, looking back, that he is Christ. Are you following me? So we'll start from verse 7 and we'll skip that part where he explains that he is Christ and we'll, we'll go from there. So let's start from verse 7 again. To each one of us grace, everybody say grace, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now down to verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service till the building up of the body of Christ until, everybody say until, we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statute that belongs to Christ himself. Okay, before we go on, let's just deal with one issue and that, and that is this, that he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service, and how long did he give them for? Until. Until we all attain to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. In other words, he's saying that the the standard, we can say, well, you know, we're already like Christ. And he goes, no, no, listen. Until Until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the standard... That belongs to Christ. In other words, until the body looks like the head, until there's a sense of perfection without spot or wrinkle, we're going to have apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. 
So, you know, we don't have too much, we haven't had too many problems embracing pastors and teachers and evangelists. We've had threefold ministry for nearly a, a couple of hundred years, but God wants to restore the fivefold ministry, the apostle and the prophet, because he said that he gave them until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the statute that belongs to Christ. Are you following me? And by the way, if there's going to be false prophets in the last days, Jesus didn't say, in the last days, all the prophets will be false. Which is the way a whole bunch of the church reads that. He says, in the last days, false prophets will arise. And guess what? If all the prophets in the last days were false, Jesus would have really made the statement very simple by saying, in the last days, there will only be false prophets. But the reason why there's false prophets is because, they're real, because there's real ones. It'd be kind of hard to pass off, be, to pass off two, $2 bills if there was no such thing as a $2 bill. Just a thought. Just, it's pretty deep right here. Okay, well, let's go on. Verse 13. Until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Did you notice it didn't, notice it didn't say the unity of the Word? It said the unity of faith. Uh, it's interesting because in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Verse, um, it's in the here. Oh, verse four. Therefore, uh, there is one body, one spirit. We've also been called one calling. Um, where is it? Oh, verse three. I missed it. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. Did you notice that we're that we're supposed to preserve the unity of the spirit? We're supposed to grow in the unity of faith, but there's no place that says we're supposed to grow in the unity of the word. Just the thought. And even the babies cry out and agree with me. <laughs> verse, uh, so, verse 13, Until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man, to the measure of the statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by the waves, carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and, and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love... How many know speaking the truth in love is different than loving to speak the truth? Selah. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. In all aspects of Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. Whew, that was a big, that was a long sentence. Okay, let's just begin right here. It says that he gave, some, he gave some as apostles. In fact, let's go back. It says, to each one of us, grace was given. Everybody say grace. Grace. grace that great, the word grace there does not just mean undeserved favor. Grace is not just undeserved favor. Grace is the operational power of God. When you got saved by grace, it doesn't mean that Jesus just said, listen, I'm going to let you in even though you don't deserve it. That's part of grace. But grace actually gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do one second before you receive grace. So when God says you were saved by grace, He's saying, listen, I gave you favor you didn't deserve, but He's also saying, I gave you the ability to come out of hell. When, hell's, when the demons of hell were trying to hold you captive, grace came in and took a hold of you and pulled you into the kingdom and the, the power of grace is what delivered you from darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of, his, of, his, of, his, of, of God and His Savior. Are you with me? In other words, grace is the delivering power. Grace is the operational power of God. Grace gives you the ability to do 
what you couldn't do one second before you received grace. And the Bible says here, it says that to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to... What, did he, what were the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher... Uh, what were they supposed to do? What was their job? It was to equip the saints. To equip the saints to do the work of service. Now, I want you to notice that the outcome... So the, what does the fivefold ministry do? We call the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher the fivefold ministry, by the way. My mother used to give me fivefold ministry when I was a kid. She laid hands on me and gave me impartation. I still bear. Anyway, we should move on. But the point is, is that God gave the apostle, prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, their job is to equip the saints to do the work of service. Okay, what is the outcome? So they equip the saints. What's the outcome? The outcome is that as a result, we're no longer to be children. So, so part of what happens with the ministry of the fivefold is that we grow up. Like, we don't just grow old, we grow up. Listen, you don't come to church to get fed. Selah. If you only eat once a week, you're in a dysfunctional relationship with God. I don't mind feeding people who are newly saved, but for a believer who's 5, 6, 10, 20 years old to say, I don't get fed there, is ridiculous, and it's a sign of what the real struggle is in your life. You come to church to get equipped. Listen, this is supposed to be a Holy Spirit terrorist training center. Our job is to equip you to terrorize hell. Now, I love that the Lord, He disempowered the devil and then left him alive. It's part of the punishment. If you read Daniel 7, it says that He gave him... Daniel 7 says that he took the beast, he extended his life, but he took away his authority. Why did he do that? He did it because that was part of his punishment. That the people who he tormented now get to torment him. Right before he gets thrown into lake of fire. That's just a good word right there. The devil's after me. No, you're after him. <laughs> he got cast down to a planet where the very thing he wanted is in seven billion people. He wanted to be like God and sit in the assembly of the Almighty. You're seated in heavenly places and you were made in his image. <laughs> That's a headache. So, okay, so here we go. We're back to the scripture now. Are ready? So as a result, we're no longer to be children, tossed here and there by every waves, by the doctrine, uh, by the trickery of men, so on and so forth. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects of Him. Now this is verse 16. I really like this. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Everybody say, itself in love. Okay, that sounds like a complicated paragraph, but here's what he's saying. He's saying if the fivefold ministry is doing their job, then they equip the saints, the saints do the work of service, 
And the saints build up the saints. In other words, the goal is, is that you would be so equipped that when you need help, you could get help from other saints because it's the saints that build themselves up in love. See, you can tell, you can, there, there are a lot of people running around saying, you know, we have an apostle, we have a prophet, we have, we have the fivefold ministry working in our midst. The fruit of the fivefold ministry is that you don't tolerate strange doctrine, your people are getting mature, and the ecosystem has been, the, the, the fivefold ministry has become a catalyst to an ecosystem where the body builds up the body. But whenever you build a system where you need the fivefold ministry to keep you healthy in the sense that, in other words, I need a prophetic word so I come to the prophet. That's weird. That's a sign that the fivefold ministry is not doing its job, which is equipping the saints to do the work of service. Are you with me? So that the fivefold ministry's job, listen, the prophet's job, the prophet's main job is to hook up your phone. If you always have to come to his or hers, pretty soon you're like, what am I supposed to be, what am I doing here? See, Jesus said that in the last days there'll be false prophets who lead people to themselves. Whenever I become the answer, instead of he's the answer, instead of making him the answer, I have false ministry. Are you following me? The prophet's primary job, I'm not saying the prophet shouldn't prophesy and do these things. The prophet's primary job is to equip you to do the work of service, not to do it. Wouldn't it be strange to be watching a basketball game and see the guy who takes care of the equipment run out on the court? Like, call a timeout. Okay, put the equipment manager on the court. We need this shot. It sounds strange, but that's what we think that the fivefold ministry is supposed to do. We think that they're supposed to do the work. They're supposed to hand out the equipment so that you can do the work. Okay. That was actually a pretty good word right there. Um, I want to uh, make a distinction. There's a difference between prophets and prophecy. A gift of prophecy, and we're going to study this in another session, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 says the gift of prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay, you'll notice that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 we read, to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, we don't very often make distinctions in the Trinity. In other words, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't very often make a distinction. We sort of think of God as one person. But the truth is, is God is three persons in one God. And so this distinction is made in the Scripture that the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, like there's nine mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, that the gifts of the Spirit are actually gifts of the Holy Spirit. But that the, that the fivefold ministry is actually are called gifts of Christ. In other words, there's, it, there's a difference between being gifted, right? When I'm over here, I'm talking about the gifts, of, the gifts of the Spirit. There's a difference between being gifted and being a gift. See, there's, over here, it says that you may all prophesy. See, all of us 
should be able to have the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit with inside of us. This is pretty deep right here. And it's the Holy Spirit who has the gifts. And He lives inside of us. So we have access to all the gifts of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So the gift, a gift is something, is an ability. Are you with me? But the fivefold ministry, the, we'll just use prophet because we're, we're actually talking about prophets. So the gift of prophecy is the ability to prophesy by the Holy Spirit. But the gift of a prophet is not the ability to do something, it's the ability to be something. So the person themselves is the gift. He gave gifts to men, the Bible says. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are Jesus' gift to the body. Who are they? They are people. They're not just gifted, they are the gift. See, the challenge is, is that if you get your identity from your gift instead of your call, you're going to have a performance-based identity. And there's a whole bunch of people who don't know the difference, and they're walking around, and they have to prophesy to you because it's the only way they have a sense of significance. Because they have mistaken the difference between a call and a gift. The gift gives you your ability. Your call gives you your identity. And your anointing gives you your purpose. Want me to say it again? Your gift gives you your ability. And right now we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but you understand that it can be natural gifts. I mean, there are gifts in many dimensions. Your gift gives you your ability. You don't want to get your identity from your ability because then you have a performance-based identity. Your calling gives you your identity. Who you are, not what you do. And your anointing, Isaiah 61 is a great example. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. Now, wherever you see the word anointed, you're going to, following the word anointed, you're always going to have something to do. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news, the afflicted, bind up the broken heart. And I have most of that chapter memorized, but the point is, is that wherever you see the word anointing, you're going to have something to do. The anointing is the very presence of God on our lives, the Spirit of God, if you will, and the anointing, see, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, right? Romans uh, 11. They're irrevocable. God doesn't take them back. But the anointing ebbs and flows with our relationship with God. What happens, how many of you have known people in your life that were very gifted? You're like, man, that person is so gifted, and yet their life is wasting away. Some of our, 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 our own siblings, like, they go through a season and they're like, oh my goodness, this person is so called by God and so gifted, and yet there's nothing happening in their life. What happens when I lose relationship with God? I lose a sense of purpose in my life. The problem isn't that I'm not gifted. The problem isn't that I'm not called. The problem is, is that it takes an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit to give me a sense of purpose. Okay, now, so the gift of prophecy is something I do. It's an ability by the Holy Spirit. Anyone can prophesy. Paul said you can all prophesy one by one. So everyone should be able to prophesy. 
The gift of a prophet is a gift of Christ, and that gift is a calling. Paul said this about his calling as an apostle. He said, I'm an apostle called by the will of God, not by men. Here, I'm, I'm commanded, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. You will never find a passage that says, earnestly desire to be a prophet. We have a lot of people that want to be prophets. Want to be prophets. Want to be apostles. Like if I had a choice, I would be an apostle because it says first apostles, then I'd be in charge. I confess it. Some of you think it and do not. So I will confess our sins together. I do not get to choose to be a prophet. I do not get to choose to be an apostle or any, any of the fivefold ministry. That, I don't get to choose that. That's God's choice. God makes the choice. Here, I'm commanded. Some people are like, you know, I want the fruit of the Spirit, but I, I, I just really, I really, you know, I just, I want to be mature. Listen, you don't have a choice. If you read the Bible, the Bible commands you earnestly desire spiritual gifts if you feel like it. I mean, that's how people read it. I don't feel like it right now. I think I'll just work on my character. Well, maybe first step one for your character would be to obey the Bible. And it says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. They're not for you. They're for the people who need them. I mean, the gift of healing, like, I don't know if I want the gift of healing. Well, you do if someone close to you is sick. I mean, how can you love and not want the gifts? That's the love language of God. Nine ways God can kiss you to death. (laughs) You guys are loosening up now, so it's good. I'm feeling better. So the goal for the fivefold ministry of the fivefold ministry is that they would equip the saints so that the saints help the saints get well. Okay, now turn to Romans chapter 12. Are you guys with me? Are you? We haven't lost anybody along the way. Romans tw- chapter 12. I love this chapter. We're gonna, we'll jump in at verse 3. Oh, heck, let's just do verse 1 on second service. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. How many know that worship doesn't start when the music begins? We create dualistic Christians when we teach people that worship is something that happens on Sunday mornings. When I've dedicated my life to God, if I wash dishes, I'm worshiping God. Because I've offered up my body. And and that dishwater becomes an instrument of praise to God. I don't personally wash dishes. (laughs) In case you were wondering. I have some ideas about how to get out of it, guys. You just take the most expensive dishes the first few times and you break them. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but people I know have done that very thing. <laughs> Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now you got the picture in your head, don't you? Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think as to have sound judgment, for God has allotted each a measure of faith. Let's stop. Okay, well, let's go on to the next verse. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. How do you tell if you've... um, how do you tell if you're being transformed instead of conformed? Well, if you're being conformed, you'll think too highly of yourself. How do you know if you think too highly of yourself? You'll only like people who are like you. You'll only value people who are like you. That's what he's saying here. He's saying don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And what's the next verse? There's many members in the body, and they don't all have the same function. How do you know if you're being conformed? Because conformed people, listen, the world only likes people who are like them. They only value people who are like them. But when you're transformed, you have a value for diversity. Because unity is not conformity. It's a celebration of diversity. Okay, now let's go on to the verses we want. Verse 5. So we who are many in one body in Christ are individually, I love that, get to keep our individuality, members of one another. Verse 6. Since we have gifts, everybody say gifts, that differ according to the grace, everybody say grace, Given to us, let each of us exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Okay, so here we go. This is, this is, we're on the last leg of the race. It says, since we have gifts that are different according to what? Grace. What makes gifts different? Grace. Let each of us exercise them according to his faith. Okay, so now... We'll go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. It says that Christ, um, it, says, it says something really powerful in chapter 4, verse 7. It says, <laughs> it says, oh, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, are you with me? We've got grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. What was Christ's gift? No, no, what was Christ's gift? Remember, Holy Spirit gifts are the gifts of the Spirit. Christ's gifts are the fivefold ministry. Okay, so it says we received, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so remember that, that and he, he gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to do what? Equip the saints. So what do, are the saints equipped with? Come on, you're right. Say it. Be confident. Grace. So the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they are the dispensers of grace. Okay, what does grace do? It gives you gifts. Remember, since we have gifts that differ according to grace. So different gifts have different different grace. Let's let's put it right. Different grace have different gifts. The apostle, the fivefold ministry, 
equips the saints with grace that give them differing gifts. Are you with me? And in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, very powerfully, (laughs) it says this, that we might grow up in all aspects of Him. That we might grow up in all aspects of Him. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service. And it goes on to say that the measure of stature belongs to Christ, that we might grow up in all aspects of Him. Are you with me? Okay, now... Let's pretend for a minute that we have the five-fold ministry here, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And metaphorically, let's say they're like a soda fountain. So you have, you have like orange, root beer. Are you with me? Coke. We don't have like Diet Coke. That's like false prophets. We have 7-Up. <laughs> I don't know how you drink that stuff, man. It's like, if I wanted to drink that, I'd drink water. So, so... You're flowing with me, right? Okay, so the soda fountain has, they all have one thing in common. They all have soda water. So they all, so more metaphorically speaking, they, they, all, they all have grace. Are you with me? But the, but the fountain determines the flavor. So root beer, orange, 7-Up, you got me, right? Okay, so it says that each one of us, that we receive gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. Okay, so you decide how much you're going to get by your faith of the grace. But the grace, the color of the grace is determined by the dispenser. In other words, you are not going to get prophetic grace from a pastor. You're going to get pastoral grace. You're going to get. You're going to get. We're going to get teaching grace from a teacher. You're going to get apostolic grace from an apostle. Are you following me? And if we're going to grow up in all aspects of Him, then we have to have a value. I'm just letting. I'm doing what Bill does. It's called the power pause. I have not forgot what I'm about to say. I'm just letting it soak in. You have to have a value for people who are different than you. So that when you come to the fountain, see some people, some people don't have a container. See, Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you'll receive the prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man, they have a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. A lot of times there's a prophet's uh, grace available, but you only receive what you can receive from any saint, a righteous man, because you don't receive them in the name of a prophet, so you don't receive prophetic grace. See, I understand that we don't like tidal waves, I get that. But the point is, is that you know, in, in, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is admonishing in a good way the church at Ephesus, which is the book we're actually reading right now. And he says, you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not. 
See, it's important to understand what role, what calling someone has on their life so that you can bring the appropriate cup and receive the appropriate grace. I want you to know that I'm not talking about it saying like Apostle Bill Johnson on the on his door. That's not important. Mine says His Majesty. <laughs> that is important. I'm not saying that that you would have business cards that say Prophet so and so, Pastor so and so. I'm simply saying that one of the reasons why we don't have apostolic and prophetic grace is because we call everybody a pastor. If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you, we call, when we call everyone a pastor, we have this anticipation that we're going to receive pastoral grace, but the fountain can't give out pastoral grace because it doesn't have it to give. It's important that we receive people in the office that God has called them to so that we can receive grace. That, in other words, that they create expectation that they can actually fulfill. Are you with me? I, I love Danny Silk. He's one of my very best friends in the whole world. And he is a five-fold pastor. Now, I know we call everybody pastor, but I mean he's actually a five-fold pastor. And what I love about Danny is, um, I usually, well, we, we're, you know, we're friends, so I see him all the time. But when I go in to see him for my stuff, you know my stuff? Stuff happens. When I go in to see him about my stuff, I don't know about you, but I can see other people's stuff really well. I can't figure out what's wrong with me. I never can. My wife thinks she knows. I hate when Danny tells me the same thing she told me. Sticks me off. I don't tell her. I don't tell her what he tells me, what she told me. Because then the two, two or three witnesses get together and... There's like those in the book of Revelation. I don't know if they're the bad guys or the good guys, but but I go see Danny and he tells me I, I love it because he's intuitive in the sense that he doesn't just tell you, okay, yeah, this is what you should do. He talks to you about the root of why you're behaving that way. Which is really, really helpful because like I often know that what I'm doing is not appropriate. I'm just being frank. But I don't know what's driving it. And, and for me, I, I mean, usually, most of the time, I'm pretty good at curtailing my behavior. I'm like, all right, I'm about to do this. I want to do this. I really want to do this. I know it's not right. You know, five-fold ministry. I know this isn't right, but I don't know what's driving this. And so I'll sit with him, and he'll start sharing, da-da-da, you know, this, you know, this is how you're feeling, and this is why, and... And this is what's driving it. And this probably came from this thing that happened in your life. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I commission you, Sir Danny Pastor. I can do that because I'm a prophet. Then the pastors, they don't commission anybody. <laughs> but what's really, what's really cool is, is that he teaches me. See, when, when, I, when I go to see Danny, he teaches me not just how to get well, but he teaches me and gives me impartation so that although my office call is a prophet, I'm a prophet, but I'm also a saint. Are you with me? So as a prophet, I have a certain responsibility, but as a saint, see, I have, 
I mean, you have many callings. I mean, I'm first a saint before I'm anything, right? I'm first a saint. So part of my part of my call as a saint is to help the body stay well as a saint, not just as my office job prophet, right? And he teaches me, he gives me pastoral grace so that I can actually pastor people, although that's not my office call, because I'm in fellowship, and fellowship means the exchange of life. I'm receiving grace from a fountain that I am not. Somebody, um, somebody said, you know, I'm, I'm in an apostolic network. I said, you are? He said, yeah. I said, who's the apostle? He said, we don't have one. I said, well, how can you be in an apostolic network without an apostle? <laughs> That's like saying I own a dairy, but I don't have any cows. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you raise wheat? I mean, you know, I mean, everything's apostolic, everything. You know what I'm saying? And the, the question is, like, I, I go out places and people are like, you're an apostle. I'm like, no, I'd like to be. Just so I could be in charge, but I'm not. I'm a prophet because God told me I was. And they go, well, you, you operate apostolically. I operate apostolically because I am under an apostle. I'm in submission to his mission, so I got commission. I have all the apostolic grace I need. I can operate like an apostle. See, in Weaverville, <laughs> Weaverville, that makes Nazareth sound like a metropolis. Weaverville. <laughs> Just think about it. So, but in Weaverville, you... you um, when you get out the outskirts of town, there is no city water, so you have to drill for wells. Now, uh, water is pretty hard to come by in certain areas in Weirville, and what happens is, is that we end up with these reporting rights where we, we, you, you buy a house that the well is actually on your neighbor's property. I mean, in other words, you're using his water. And it doesn't really matter, like, if you come to my house and I, and my, and I don't have a well, but my neighbor has a really good well, and I, and I buy water from him, actually, when you come to my house, you turn on the faucet, you get water. You, you don't know that I don't have water unless I break off fellowship with my friend. Then we know who the well, who's, who's got the well and who doesn't. Selah. See, a lot of people get in relationship with apostolic, prophetic, pastoral, whatever, people, and they re- they're receiving all this grace, right? And they operate, and they're like, ha, I are the man, the woman. It would be male or female, depending, gender-oriented, like I would be the man. So, I am the man, and then I, and then I think I'm something, and I break fellowship with the person who has the well. And pretty soon... I'm singing that theme song the way we were. Because all the revelation I have is old. It's old manna. See, it's as every joint, it's as the joints, it's as the limbs stay in contact with one another that life flows. And that you are, you are actually... You are actually a, synerg- a synergist in the sense that all of those 
rivers, the fivefold ministry flows into you and you actually become greater than you could ever become individually. Because God has placed the fivefold ministry in the body, you can actually operate as a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, a pastor, and teacher as long as you stay in fellowship with those gifts because those wells are flowing into your land. And the goal is to stay relationally connected. We're just about done. I, I told you, I've had this real... Uh, I can't even tell you. Grief. I think, I think I could describe the emotion as grief over what I've seen happen in the last year and a half. Now, it may have been happening for 20 years. You know how this... You get exposed to something and you feel like you're the only one. I, I know how that happens in my life. But I've been so grieved over concern about people becoming false prophets. And I am not joking when I say I have felt a passion for more than a month, probably two months. And, and, I, and I feel like when I share it, it will be appropriate. There will be a setting for it because that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to create a setting so that when I share on false prophets, you have something to put it in. And it, you don't, it doesn't get overemphasized in a way that you start you know, lifting every stone and looking for false prophets. But I am so concerned. First John chapter 4 says, Beloved. So that would be us. Beloved. So it's written to us. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to make sure they're from God. Next verse. For many false prophets have went out into the world. It's scary that he's, he's, not, he's not warning us. Hey, beloved, make sure you don't listen to false prophets. He's saying, make sure you don't become one. And I am so concerned when people start to separate themselves. When they're not accountable, when they lose covering. And, and when we talk about false prophets, I'm going to talk about the difference between covering and accountability. There's a difference, and we need them both. But you, a lot of people are, are saying they're, they have accountability when what they really have is covering. Accountability means that you actually have people that you give an account for on a regular basis and they can speak into your life and they do speak into your life. Once you start losing the ability to be teachable, flexible, humble, and impressionable, and you start thinking you're it, man, I, I don't care how big your gift is, you're scaring me. You're scaring me. And when people lose touch with, with true authority in their life, you know, I love the fact that Paul, that Timothy was an apostle, but he's connected to Paul. And Paul's saying hard things to him at times. And I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, in any way promote harshness. But he would say to Timothy, hey, I want you to be here by winter and bring my stuff. I mean, there was a sense, you, know, you get the sense that he, although Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus and a, and a powerful man in his own right, yet he was, still in, in a, he was still accountable. Paul, when Paul wanted, when Paul had doctrinal issues concerning the Gentiles coming into the church and all, you know, what should they do about that? And should they be circumcised? And did they have to keep the law? What did he do? He didn't, he, the most brilliant man of his time didn't decide, well, I think I'll write the book of Romans and just work it all out. Let the, no, he went to the apostles that were in Jerusalem and submitted himself. I understand that submission has gotten really weird in the church, but you can't throw out the fact that you have a mission because you've been commissioned. 
And you, ha- and you get commissioned because you've been in submission to an apostolic mission. And when you lose that peace, things start to get really weird. And you start to think that you've got all these wells on your property. And pretty soon, you start to be so enamored with yourself, you start to believe your own reports. Remember, he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What was the result? No longer... No longer are you blown about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by deceitful schemings. How do you make sure that doesn't happen in your life? You stay connected, not to the one-fold ministry. Listen, prophets need prophets, but I'm telling you, prophets need pastors and teachers probably more than they... On a, like Prophets need to be in submission to apostles. I believe that. But probably, practically, they need pastors and teachers in their life more than they need anything. I'm just talking about, I'm talking, I'm speaking from experience. Like, I need pastors and teachers in my life. Because there's my biggest hole. I need to make sure that what I'm prophesying it has a biblical foundation and that it's helpful to the body and not harmful. Because I'm supposed to prophesy to build up the body, not destroy it. And that means I need to be connected to the people who can give me feedback about how I'm being perceived and how my ministry is impacting the body. Does that make sense? So I am really concerned that this stuff, first of all, I'm concerned that people who are prophetic think they're prophets. And, and, the, and the struggle there is, is that we're putting a mantle on, we're putting, no, we're putting, we're putting weight on people that they were never designed to hold. It's not that they have a bad heart, it's just we're going to crush them under the pressure of a governmental office that they don't hold. And I think the most prophetic people, and I'm talking about the ability to foretell and foretell, I think that prophetic people tend to be, have a greater gift than prophets do, but they're not equippers. They're not, they're not there to reproduce. My job is to reproduce myself. It's not to prophesy. That's secondary. So I'm really concerned that we get this right because as we move into this next phase of where God's taking us, this is all going to be really important that we understand, not just that we have foundations, but that we understand them and we understand what role each of the fivefold ministry play in our life. And some of you might be, is, is, is the fivefold ministry the only place that we get grace? No, it's not the only place we get grace, but it, they are the arteries. There are veins and we read those, and we find out in, later on in Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 5, I mean, that, that grace is dispensed from person to person also. But the arteries of the body are the fivefold ministry. And so the greatest blood flow is flowing there. And if you break, if you break an artery, you, you, you're going to have a heart attack. The very heart of the body gets attacked. And we end up with weird stuff being taught in the body. We end up with, you know, and it's so important that we that we have spiritual encounters. You know, we, we want to have spiritual encounters. I mean, listen, we want to embrace the angelic. You know, it, the angels are mentioned only five times less in the New Testament than the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit God. So I'm, not, I'm simply saying they had lots of angel encounters. We want spiritual experiences. We want people to experience the, the real. We, we don't want to be a one-dimensional person who, you know, who believes in all this stuff and has no experience. What kind of a life is that? But we want to make sure that what we're experiencing has a foundation. 
that people don't get weird and start doing weird stuff and writing weird things and saying weird stuff. And I'm telling you, there are so many people that even friends that I have, they're getting so far out there. When you build, you know, there are, let me, let me see if I can just say this in a minute, a couple minutes. There's biblical stuff. There's anti-biblical stuff. Those, those are pretty obvious. There's extra-biblical stuff. Because God is bigger than the book. But here's the problem. When you build your whole ministry on extra-biblical stuff, that's weird. And I told you, like 13 years ago, I'm laying on the floor, and God says, when I have an opinion about something, you don't have a right to a different one. But where I'm silent, feel free to dream. So I believe in that. But when my whole entire ministry is based on extra-biblical, no doctrine to support it, but it's not anti-biblical, I'm like, wait a second, I don't mind a little salt in there. Hey, I got some ideas about something that isn't in the Bible. It's not anti-biblical. Awesome. But when that's my ministry, my ministry's extra-biblical, I'm like, that's not a ministry. That's a fast road to deception. Are you with me? And so I, I just I really believe that God wants us to begin to learn like how do we embrace embrace the fivefold ministry? What role do they have in our life as the saints? What do, what can I expect from them? What do what should they expect from me? And how does the fivefold ministry build us up so that we don't become a dysfunctional body that the only time we eat is when Dad's home? That's weird. We need to learn how to have an ecosystem so that not all roads lead to one person. Because that's a fast road to kill somebody. And I think that we're, you know, I think, I think the goal is that we would have an apostolic movement where the body builds up the body and, not every, and everyone's not going, when's dad coming home? When's dad? And we feel like orphans. People are like, would you be a father to me? I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to go throw the football with you? I'm going to play with you? I'm going to be with you? What does that mean? How many people can a, can a human be a father to on that level? Very few. But can my personal victory become a corporate covering so that you're experiencing an inheritance that you didn't work for? I hope so. So I want you to stand. And the Lord told me that I was to dispense three gifts today. Now, you know, you might have all of them. You're like, why is it these three? I don't know. I don't argue. I usually do what I'm told. <laughs> Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, listen to this. He said, I long to come to you. He, spoke, he wrote to the Romans. I long to come to you that I may impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. You know what Paul's saying to the Romans? You're not established. You know why? I haven't come to you and imparted a spiritual gift to you. Impartation is really important. And, and it's, it's, it supersedes information and even revelation. And so this morning, I want you to put your arms out like this. I, I don't really know why. You, you look hungry when you do that. And you look like you're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch when you don't. So it's just a psychological thing for me. And I want to pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would impart these three gifts. Now, you may say, well, I already have those. That's awesome. 
then then bring a bigger barrel. So you're like, maybe you, maybe you had, uh, I already had a barrel. Then get two, get a truck, dump truck load, whatever. Just, just whatever you have, if you already have it, just get more right now. If you didn't have it at all, awesome. So Holy Spirit, you told me this morning that I was to release the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, and the gift of discernment. So I release that right now to everyone who's listening by iBethel TV by everyone who listened to this through the podcast and through everyone in this room, that you would release the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, and the gift of discernment. And that these people, all within the sound of my voice, would receive impartation through words, that they would be able to do what they couldn't do one second before they heard these words. And they began to move in visions and dreams. And discernment. Lord, I release that to them right now. Just just stay right there. And just let the Holy Spirit just talk to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Dan, why don't you just come up and just finish this? Just keep just just keep praying and just let the Holy Spirit just rain on you. Thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit's doing something really powerful with some of you. I, I feel like there's like word curses being broken off of you. Some of you are like, uh, nothing ever happens to me. God doesn't use me. I'm not spiritual. I don't know what all that stuff is, but it, I didn't feel it at all in first service, but it's happening. That, that kind of word curse is being broken off of you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you are going to minister in this supernaturally. You were born to be a supernatural being. You are going to minister prophetically. You are going to have the gift of discernment. You're going to have words of knowledge. You're going to know things only by the Spirit that you couldn't have known other ways. Something very, I'm telling you, I don't know, I didn't feel this at first service, even though first service was very powerful. This is powerful in a different way. Holy Spirit is doing something very powerful here. And I saw, I see like um, earmuffs being taken off of people. Um, it's, they, uh, they, have, they have words on them, word uh, like curses, word curses. And I, I just see the Holy Spirit just taking off these earmuffs all over the room and I like blinders, like blinders. Some of you were taught that, it's, that you shouldn't see, you're not supposed to see, or you, or you were taught you would be afraid, or I don't know what that is. I honestly am not sure, but I see the Lord taking off these blinders all over the room, all these blinders and these earmuffs, and I see the world co- going from black and white. You know how you see those movies, they start out black and white? To, and they and they're and they're like they becoming color, like the manifold grace. That word manifold means multicolor. That the Lord's giving you multicolored grace. That the world is going from black and white, and it's going to color. And some of you are going to have profound dreams in the next in the next weeks. I, I feel so strongly that the Lord is going to lead people in deeper um, uh, in deeper depths of his revel, of revelation through dreams and visions, because dreams and visions don't have any perimeters. Like, they don't have boundaries. And I feel like the Lord is going to release dreams and visions to teach us of the depths of His glory. Like, the knowledge of the glory of God is going to come through, not not only, but it's going to come primarily through dreams and through visions. That's a vehicle that has no boundaries. You know, in a dream, you can fly. (laughs) In a dream, you can walk on water. 
You know what I'm talking about. In a, a dream, you can you can visualize things that that um, that oppose the natural laws of physics. And I just release that over you, that you would dream of the impossible, that you would see into the invisible. <laughs> 